Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good to have you on board. Thanks for being with us in a fine Balls Wednesday to you and yours. Almost feels like a holiday week, doesn't it? Find me on Twitter at Jay Cameron Show across the glass. My man T. Lizzie, Director Matthew, you are you and you're with us, and that's good. Appreciate you. Feeling good about the game? Feeling better about the game, everybody? Feeling ready for the game? I think ready is the appropriate uh, wording today. I think most people are ready for this thing. Uh, excited about the potential, obviously. Uh, but, you know, what's possible? What's possible is Florida State goes up there and Adds to the woes and the frustrations of Clemson fans, players, coaches. That's the that's the the hope, and uh, I believe that it is entirely possible. I don't know uh, that I would, uh, with great gusto, tell you that it's going to happen. There are some matchup issues for Florida State, um, and and some things that teams in the conference have been able to expose about Clemson that I'm not sure we're capable of exposing. Um, but I, but I, but there are other aspects of this game that we are 100% capable of uh, ratcheting up the intensity and the, uh, the, the frustrations uh, as we explore Clemson's weakened offensive line, in particular in the interior. And I think Florida State has a distinct advantage in this game at that one spot. This is screaming to me low scoring if there aren't big plays, if there aren't busts. I don't know that either team is going to have a lot of success driving the field against the other. I don't feel like that is going to be in the cards. You might get some big plays because there's some athletes out here. Clemson still has a couple guys out on the perimeter that you worry about if there are busts in our secondary. So communication continues to be key. Uh, those guys, for the most part, have avoided the glaring bust where somebody's running wide open, really post-second half of the Louisville game. We haven't seen a ton of those busts. We haven't seen the communication breakdown that we saw at the beginning of the season, which was omnipresent, quarter-to-quarter, game-to-game. And then, slowly but surely, began to dissipate as they became more and more certain about who they liked in that secondary. And those guys got the vast majority of the play time, uh, playing time, the reps, and that that helps. Those reps help, and that communication helps. That trust helps. The confidence that's built from doing it right and having success, that has been uh, something we've seen more and more of, and that's exciting. And then I think from there, I would suggest that – you know, the other side of the ball is where I worry. It's Florida State's offense going against Clemson's defense. This is a game, an opportunity. Coaches love to say this all the time. And uh, anytime you're playing a team that's, let's say, ranked higher than you, like if you think about basketball over the years, in the last few years in particular, when Florida State has taken on a Duke or somebody like that and they've had an opportunity to take on a higher-ranked team on the road, Leonard Hamilton always talks about it's a great test, but he also points out to his team through the press that this is your chance. Here, here now you're tested in a way you haven't been. Can you prove to yourself and everybody else that uh, you're ready for this moment, that it's not too big for you? In short, it's a hell of an opportunity. Well, I think that's true of this offensive coaching staff, Mike Norvell, Kenny Dillingham. It's a hell of an opportunity to show that you can put, come up with a game plan here against a group that you are outmatched by up front. Really, Clemson outmatches almost everybody. Uh, when it comes to their defense versus an opposing offense. They have one of the elite defenses in the country. Now, that defense 
can get worn down and is not immune to getting frustrated by the impotence of an offense. How many times have you seen it? How many times over the years, both in professional football and in college football, where a team has a strong unit, a stronger unit than the opposing the other side of the ball, whatever it might be, right? This segment group is our strength. Well, in this case of Clemson, it's pretty much the entirety of that defense. They're out there all the time trying to win football games for their team because the offense cannot score, doesn't move the ball, too many three and outs. And at some point, that group, which possesses a lot of talent, decides to go through the motions. And we don't know. Clemson could be on the precipice of going through the motions. I think if I were a Clemson fan this week, I'd be on the lookout for just that. If they're ratcheted up, if they're buttoned up, if they're intense, Florida State's going to have a hard time moving the ball against that team. If that defense is looking over at that offense with a whole lot of what is it you say you do here in their eyes, then maybe just maybe we watch that program go into further disarray. And wouldn't it be great that we help further the process along? Wouldn't it be great to remind folks that these things don't last forever? Your time is nigh. It would be a beautiful time to make that announcement and to see this staff put together a game plan that exploits that. The, the fragile psyche of a program that is having a bitter disappointment of a season. Yeah, I think you know defensively for us, the game plan probably is going to mirror the North Carolina game plan, where if it's DJ or Pumachan, you guys can run, no problem. But you're not going to beat us over the top, right? So go ahead. If you want to use the quarterback's legs, we're going to give you that. And that might be alarming at times in the moment where you say, my God, are we going to put a spy on this guy? But there are bigger fish to fry. You don't want to get burned for 80 yards because for Clemson, every point means so much more than it used to the last four or five seasons. They don't score 20 points in regulation. The one thing I will say after watching the pit game is that I am worried, and and we talked about this on, I I think, even last week for UMass week, where (laughs) they're kind of like a time bomb with all those athletes, and you're just worried. They they don't block it up, and they just lost their best interior offensive lineman to injury. It was the second drive of the game against Pitt. Did you see his uh, thank you to the media? Brockhorst? Yeah. No, I didn't see it. It's touching. Is it really? Uh, It was well done. Yeah, it was well done. He, He was... He'll choke you up a little bit. That kid right there is solid. Well, he's been there forever too. He's That's been why. there forever. And he he said knows good, those people. He said goodbye. Yeah. And he was. It was. I was like, okay, good on you, buddy. Anyhow, go ahead. Well, there are going to be some more opportunities for the interior to make plays <laughs> yes, because of his is. absence. Yeah. But the thing I'm worried about it. If you watch Will Shipley last weekend, and, and I combed over the the pit game again, that dude tripped over his own feet twice and dropped a pass. That all accounted for those three plays. Probably are worth 110 to 120 yards. Yeah. Reminds you of the NC State game against Miami. It it does. Yes. Yes, it does. The drop especially. He's isolated on a linebacker, and that scares the hell out of me because they ended up motioning him out. They're five wide. They They're going to do it again here all day long. They will, but we're not going to play man like Pitt. Like, the Pitt game is a really hard game to take into account and say, okay, what can I learn for how Florida State's going to match up when their defense takes the field? Because I really believe the plan is going to be much closer to North Carolina, which is the antithesis of Pitt. They've done this for the last four or five seasons, and it's been really impressive. Their secondary plays physical. Mm-hmm. They get in your face and they dare Not you to make afraid. plays. Yeah. Now, Clemson's guys could have dropped some passes, missed a couple easy throws. I don't know that they're going to get those opportunities against Florida State. What I like about our offense, though, on the other side going against their defense, is if you're going to pick a side to go exploit Clemson, you're actually going to try and do so on the ground. The way they cover is unbelievable. And we don't get open against mediocre no, coverage units. Air. Right? We don't get open against air. But what can open up pass plays for you? Sure. Make Sticking it the safety with the have run. to come down. Yes. Make them load the box. Get a one-on-one. Get a shot play. You roll them out. 
any of those RPO looks, yeah, sure. It's not quite Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech, but we are going to generate, if we can run the ball with any semblance of you know non-major negative plays that force three and outs. Can't lose first down. If you can be neutral on those downs, you're going to get some shots over the top. This is a Jordan Travis game. If he's healthy for 60 minutes, I like our chances to win it, period. I would say it is a Jordan Travis game. Can he stay healthy against that group who will hit you and is blessed with depth and talent? And I'm going to ask Jordan Travis to run his ass off. So I, I don't know if the answer is yes to that. None of us do. History suggests the answer is no to that. But I don't know. He's playing right now with great gusto and confidence. He's running when he has the opportunity. He looks like a kid who's having fun playing football again. That's all very encouraging as we head into that game. Uh, I, I think that is the way you got to win. Now, I will say the reason I think that's the way you have to win is because you can't do it any other way, meaning we are not equipped. Pitt could. Other teams who have a quarterback that can throw the ball consistently well from the pocket with a drop-back pass game can. We don't have it. It is a serious weakness for this Florida State team. They do not have a drop-back pass game. So when people say, well, you know, you gotta, you're gonna have to play it. They're gonna, have, you know, make a, make you play them honest uh, or play you honest. Yeah, but you got to do it in a non-traditional manner. You can't just line up and say, well, you know, this is uh, we're gonna spread you out and throw the football. No, 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 we're not. They, they won't believe that for a second, Pitt, nor should they. And Pitt, to a degree, didn't either. In fact, that was actually a really good matchup for Clemson, given that Pitt doesn't run the ball all that effectively. They needed to lean on Pickett, and in truth, Clemson lost that game in a lot of situations. Well, they lost it because they give they hand the ball over for a touchdown. Yep. Uh, and that, that killed them, because they only gave up, other than that, I guess it's a total of 20 points offensively. Still right. 20 points. Right. If you can get us to 20, I'll take 20. But they did it through 300-plus yards in the air on 30-something pass attempts. Right. Right. We can't throw the ball thirty plus times. They had the bust on fourth down yes. to Clemson, yes. and that's you know that's obviously encouraging for us. Uh, there was a red zone interception from DJ. Yes, it's an ill advised throw. Oh. Now, now other quarterbacks are allowed to make those bad decisions, and they can account for our victories. That's fine. Oh, but sure, yeah, and force them to do that. It, yes, if you're watching the flow of that game, how Pitt gets up twenty one seven is highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely. I if agree. I'm a Clemson fan, I'm going, what in the world? Oh, I watched the game. I wa I'm with you, Tom. I watched the game. That game looked like a game Clemson was going to win. By the way it was playing, I yep. was like, I don't know. Like Pitt, Pitt fans were nervous in that game because of the way it was playing out. Now, Clemson made enough mistakes. The problem is they've made enough mistakes on offense in every game. Yeah, consistently, It's yes. what they are. At this point, that's not an accident. We see outliers all the time where we look at the win expectancy, and you can look at win expectancy after these games and see like where the game shifted. That play cost Clemson the game. The pick six, well, if you want to call it that, he just handed them the ball. Yeah. Um, that, that basically cost them the game. The whole win, win expectancy shifted dramatically in that moment. But I would, I would just say that, again, what we have found is very definitely an identity. We have absolutely found something we can do and do well, something that we believe in and we return to time and again. But the downside is we had to because it's all we can do. We're not, unless you make a change of quarterback, that's really all we can do. And if you're that one-dimensional and that dimension gets shut down, you're in deep trouble, and I – I don't know if it'll get shut down. I don't know if Clemson even cares to play. We'll see. I don't know where their head's at. I'm going to be watching very carefully early in this game. But given attrition and injuries, they're not exactly two years ago Clemson's front four. That, that's the one thing I'd say is they're good. Of course they are. Of course they are. They recruit like madmen mm -hmm. in the trenches. But they're not the elite of the elite. So there is an opening there in the run game. And what I've seen with the Syracuse performance and the Pitt performance is if you run a little tempo, 
They can get out of line. That's the one thing that's Anybody happened can, yeah. to Venables over the years. You think about uh, Dalvin's house call when he ran into the referee all those years ago and, and a couple of big plays we've hit over the years against Clemson. What is it? And what's the analysis from the booth every single time? It's, well, they had an alignment issue. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think tempo can get them. I also think, you know, if you're talking about one dimensional, yes, I agree. If you're t- talking about run pass splits, we are one dimensional. But we can We're- attack you three or four different ways on the ground. And I would think perimeter runs are actually, in this case, far better against Clemson. Things like speed options. I was looking at the formations we ran last week against UMass. I'm thinking, okay, I, I think I see what's going on here. Yeah, you see what they're trying to do. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. There might be, instead of long developing, pulling guard and H back type runs. Maybe straight-ahead speed option kind of stuff. I, I think they're going to throw a bunch of different looks at them, so you're going to run it three or four different ways, but your run-pass splits are still yeah. going to be heavy on the run. Oh, without question. I mean, overwhelmingly so. We we have figured that out most assuredly, uh, and we leaned into it. We, we asked the question on the uh, on the air uh, when we did the pregame show, Tallahassee Game Day. Uh, do you just further lean into what you are yep. and just find more diverse ways to be that? Uh, and and or do you work on your passing game knowing at some point somebody's going to shut that down and you're going to have to throw the ball or you're going to get behind and have to throw the ball? Nah, no, no, not going to do it. That's what I've always admired. Now listen, moving forward, and this is the argument Corey and I have all the time, he's in love with Jordan Travis. Like He thinks he's the greatest quarterback to ever live. Uh, I don't, not even close. But he does one thing really well, exceptionally well, elite, and that's great. And for now, that's what we need to have. But, yeah, if I could replace him with a guy who could do both, I most assuredly would. Now, that said, when, when, uh, when we're arguing all the time about, you know, the dimension of what Florida State is and what Jordan Travis is, I, moving forward, you have got to add to your offensive capabilities. You cannot be this going into next year. You have got to learn to do other things and be good at doing other things if you ever expect to, A, play at a championship level, or, or B, certainly compete to win this conference, let's just say, right? This can't be it. Now, it's fine for now because it kept us from losing all of our games. <laughs> That's you know You had to get some traction, which we've talked about a lot on this show, and they have found traction. I'm worried that this one thing that we do well will get shut down by multiple teams in this part of the schedule because they're better equipped to do so than UMass, Syracuse, anybody else for that matter, okay? So I, I, that, that I worry about. I, we'll see. Could very well be that Clemson's disinterested too. I mean, the one thing that's really worked in Florida State's favor beyond finding that identity is that the rest of this league is pretty much announced without question that they suck too. Yeah, I guess I guess my follow up would be this: If Clemson's not disinterested, we have no chance to succeed on offense. A little chance to succeed with any sustainability. You could put together a couple of drives. You might score a couple of touchdowns on those drives, and that might be enough to get you a win. No, you will not sustain ten, eleven, twelve play drives doing this if they shut that element down. We won't do it. Yeah, I don't know that it, mostly against anybody we can sustain a ten or eleven play drive with any consistency. But what I'm looking for right now, and this is to your point, right now I'm more about result than the process of how you get to the point total. Just get to the point total. Sure, and that's what they're doing. Clearly, they're, you know, they're scrambling to do something that you don't really see too much of at Memphis. But if you can find a way to get to 24 points in this oh, game. Oh, well, Jesus, you're right. in the game. I think it's possible, though. I think it's possible because there are other things that Jordan didn't employ in the last few weeks as he's gotten much more comfortable, I guess, last two games, really. You know, there are the RPO, the pass elements. Yes, yes, it's a run-pass option, sure. And we haven't been using the P part of the RPO. For a couple reasons. Yeah, well, one was against North Carolina, you could choose 
either option. You didn't and both, need to. both would be good for a you touchdown you, in some circumstances. Yeah, yeah you didn't need to. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, if I'm Brent Venables, I'm going to make you throw it. If you can. If, you, if he runs no. the hell out of the read option, though, again, that accounts for one unblocked defender. All right, so one down. Here we go. Now, right. now you're, you're yeah. getting closer to an even numbers advantage. Mm-hmm. All of this also supposes that, you know, your guard play is a constitution yeah, of healthy I, people. I'm worried about that, too. Worried about that, too. I, I just, I, I'm not being negative. I'm just being objective in the sense that there will be teams in this part of the schedule starting this Saturday who are better equipped to shut that one thing down. UMass couldn't have stopped us. We could have ran an offense in which we twirled around three times before we decided to do anything and we would have scored. So I'm not, I mean, it could have been preposterous. Right. Uh, those other teams, North Carolina, for whatever reason, uh, really struggled with angles. If you go back and look at that game, they struggled with angles, and that's a testament to Atkins, and it's a testament to Jordan Travis's elusiveness, which he is elite at, and I, yeah. I will cop to that all day long. He is elite. You can draw it up however you want to draw it up as an opposing defensive coordinator and say, he can't get to this spot. You have to ensure he can't get to here. Well, that's easier said than done because that dude's fast and elusive, and he'll make you miss in a phone booth, and the next thing you know, he's out the gate, as Jimbo would like to say, and he's gone. Yeah. So so that, that it's easier said than done. Agreed. You know what's interesting about that, though? In watching Syracuse and Pitt play Clemson, Schrader got to the spot, and so did Pickett on Skalski a couple of times. Yeah, and if those Skulls- dudes can get to the spot... Skalski's a problem for us. I know he is. Well, straight ahead he is. Yes, but what I'm is. saying is, on the perimeter, I watched mm-hmm. Pickett outrun him to the corner, and yeah. I'm thinking, well, if Pickett can do that, what can Jordan do if we can get sure, in that situation? Sure, if we can. And, and again, we can't lose... You go back. I'll give you an example. I went back and I read an article and then that caused me to go down this rabbit hole of going back and looking at the video. And it was a joyful thing to do because it was me watching LSU bend Florida over time and again on a counter. <laughs> so what I did was... <laughs> not, not on a kitchen counter. <laughs> just a counter. Yeah, just a counter a, play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Perhaps and, figuratively. Yeah. But. <laughs> so I went back and watched that because I wanted to see how it was possible, just the same way Notre Dame did it to us um, two years ago. How is it possible to run that same play? Uh, I think they ran it 14 times in that game. Against, no, I'm not kidding. They ran it 14 times against Florida for over 300 yards. That's ridiculous. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that kid set the LSU record. You know how many backs they've had to go through there and be elite? It was the bye week. I didn't watch that game play for play. I guess I should have. Oh, go back. I'll show it to you during the break. It's awesome. Anyhow, so they run the same play over and over again. Now, sometimes they block it up a little differently. But one of the things that stood out was – Florida lost, and this is this is what I laughed at because Florida fans are so mad uh, at well everybody, uh, the entirety of the coaching staff. They're mad at Grantham in particular, obviously. That's like you know that's a timer for five seconds when that guy's hired to an institution. They like love him for three because he blitzes a lot. They're like this guy sucks. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. university <laughs> yeah. goes through the same yeah. cycle. Yeah. So they're furious with him. Well, I wanted to see like did they make no adjustments? Did it? You know what happened? They lost every single one-on-one matchup. Like, guys are where they're supposed to be. They're just getting their ass beat. And football does that. Sometimes football holds a mirror up to you, and it's embarrassing when you're on the wrong end of the result. So with, what happens is you're like, well, is this coaching, or are these kids just not any good? And I went back, at least on that day, those kids just aren't any good. They were right there, and every one-on-one matchup, they got rooted out, kicked out, embarrassed took poor angles. When they did get there, they were narrow, uh, so they were easily manipulated. They didn't, get, they didn't break down at all to take on blocks. They were disinterested is what they were. They didn't want to take on blocks. All right, 
Why do I bring that up? Well, I worry that, and this is part of my looking ahead at the schedule with this beginning with this game, there are some games here where one, the one-on-one blocks, even when you create angles, even in a zone blocking scheme, let's say, you, you have to win some one-on-one battles. And we're now playing a couple defensive lines that have kids that can, I think, win the one-on-one battles against our offensive linemen, especially if Gibbons doesn't play. And you, the, the idea of being this other thing, this, this run-centric thing with options off of it, I agree with you on, and Jordan's special with it, and he's getting more comfort, comfortable with it. It doesn't work if your guards get pushed into the backfield. And I think early we're going to know. I'll just put it that way. Not saying we can't do it. Right. I right. just think early we're going to know. We feel better about Bavion right now than a lot of them because they might, they might be banged up, period. Right? Like your next two options, if you had you know, your normal lineup, would be actually you'd have DLT above him if DLT was yes. last year's version and healthy. But yes, you we're would. not sure. And then Gibbons, of course, didn't return to the game on Saturday. And, and Hold I, your breath, man. He's got to play. I know. I know. Well, that's why I feverishly during halftime went to find the drive. I'm like, where is the moment? Where is it? And then I found it, and it wasn't pretty, and I thought. No, it ain't good, man. I, he's, I, I, for these, I mean, against shoot UMass. Him up, shoot him oh, up. If, if do you whatever, could. Whatever you got to do. If it's possible. Tortle. Yeah. <laughs> All day long. But I think that we've got enough in the bag of tricks, and I've seen enough out of this staff to know that they can scheme up some things now against pretty good defenses. They can, and, they, and that's uh, something that has you feeling good. The race ain't forward. to 30. It shouldn't be, at least. No, no, no. No, no. I, I, I really think this has been a, um, a, a boost in the confidence of the fan base for this offensive staff. I don't think – I mean, I'm going to say this without trying to sound condescending, and I, I'm not trying to – I don't think the casual fan realizes the minor miracles being worked here to get this offense working as well right, as it is. Right. Given how one-dimensional we are. Yeah. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to scheme up that many one-on-ones and that many good looks uh, and or opportunities out on the edges. I don't think people – that's hard to do when the other team knows what you're going to do because you are, by definition, one-dimensional. What buoys me, though, is, again, going back to the Q's game, where you're not going to scheme for Garrett Schrader's arm ever. Right. Ever. No. That's not how you draw it up. Right. You'll scheme up for his legs a million times before you'll scheme up for that kid's arm. And you know 34 Sean Tucker's the guy. You know he is. Yeah. There's nobody else. And yet that kid goes for over a bill early in the action – and it's multiple broken plays, not just one super long yeah, run. Yeah, it gives you hope. Yeah, now that was a Friday night. It was a weird, who knows? I don't know. They'll be at home. This isn't on the road like it was against Syracuse. They'll be, we think they'll be jacked up for this game. I know the fans will be. They always are. We'll see if Clemson takes their fans' lead and gets into this game and plays with great energy. I don't know that they will. They're in the midst of a bitterly disappointing season, and there seems to be some real distrust and frustration going on there. I hope it's the first sign that this thing is breaking down. And we've been bad enough as a program to not by be ourselves taken be taken seriously with yeah, that helmet, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every 
time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I've been running from the so, ages ago, now, the Atlanta Braves traded Charlie Morton. Uh, and uh, it was what? Gorky's Hernandez, sorry ass, and Jeff Locke to the Pittsburgh Pirates in exchange for Nate McLeod. Is that his full name? Gorky's Hernandez, sorry, sorry ass? ass? Yeah. Um, and and so we hearken back a long time ago. Uh, Charlie Morton began 2010 in spring training as a member of the esteemed, proud, legendary franchise known as the Pittsburgh Pirates, seeking to win a starting job in the rotation. In spring that year, a spring game I attended, Charlie Morton, for lack of a better term, got lit up like a Christmas tree. Okay. I'll just All put right. it that way, All okay? Right. For those that were watching, I did the motion. So yeah, you Keith guys, Hernandez yeah. would, would <laughs> say it differently. <laughs> so that's what happened. In fact, that month uh, in spring, he had an ERA of 12.57 in Pittsburgh. And I thought, well, this is going to work out well. Turns out he became a very good pitcher, very good pitcher, and over time became a guy that you could uh, you could trust. Now, his career in Pittsburgh did not start out that way. It started out terribly. He was 1-9 in nine at one point and an ERA in the neighborhood of 10. I say that to say this, it's a credible career because as he got better and, and moved towards being one of the frontline starters for the Pirates, he was never considered to be an ace. He was never considered to be elite. He has a cup of coffee with the Phillies, and then he goes to Houston where we go, ooh, Charlie Morton has found, and I'm not alleging anything, but Charlie Morton found five more miles per hour on his fastball, and it changed the world. Now, I like Charlie Morton. So I hope that was the byproduct of a lot of hard work. Could very well have yeah, been. Efficiency and emotion. That's right. Yeah, he just figured go. something out. The Astros do tend to solve people. They do help them. Yes, they do. <laughs> they do help them, don't they? They solve people by any means yes, necessary. They, they solve people. That's what I'd say about that organization. Uh, and so he goes to Houston, and they solve whatever problems there are. <laughs> Here's how they solve people. <laughs> yeah. But, but they solve pitchers, too. I'm saying they solved their own pitchers. Garrett Cole was good in Pittsburgh. Garrett Cole was good in Pittsburgh, Tom. He was otherworldly in Houston. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just people go to Houston. Boy, and, he came back down to earth in uh, the oh, Bronx, didn't he? He did, but oh, he actually goodness. ended up having a good year. He he figured out the sticky stuff thing, but sort of. Yeah, go look at those numbers; they're good. He worked it out. He had a little three game stretch there where he got he too got lit up like a Christmas tree, but then kind of figured it out. Now. Then, obviously, Charlie went to Tampa Bay. He was great there, too. Good for him. And he is currently with the Atlanta Braves. Where last night I saw something that warrants you and I saying, bravo, man. Because I've watched that moment where the comebacker hits him. It's 3 to nothing Braves. And you see he's, in, he's hurt. He's in pain. Now, like Travis Dinarno, I don't think he knew his leg was broken. But he knows, certainly, that it was hurting. And and he's okay. Well, I'm gonna have to get through this because we got to get somebody up. We got to find a way to get somebody ready to go. So, you know, at that point, you're trying to get AJ up to get ready to go, 
He knows he's got to try to finish out. That curveball he throws to Altuve mm. is filthy. And on the follow-through, it looks like it snaps. I mean, it looks like whatever damage had been done initially, which would have been enough in a regular season game to say, I'm out. Let's go get this checked. At, at, you know, Maybe best-case scenario, it's a hairline fracture. We just got to mobilize it, I mean, uh, stabilize it and be done with it. But he decides, I'm going to pitch because I'm a badass. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let my guy get ready. And I'm going to strike Jose Altuve out, which is not easy to do, and get you some of this yacker. And does, and then the leg, it looks like to me, goes, okay, we're done here. Uh, I tried to warn you with all that pain. The grimacing you were doing, there was a reason. Dude, that is, relative to sports, the stuff of legend. Charlie Morton last night, who is already liked and has the reputation of being a huge big game pitcher for all the right reasons, wanting the ball in big moments in game sevens and going and winning and shoving time and again. And now you add that to the ledger. We're going to remember Charlie Morton in a way I thought not possible in the spring of 2009-2010 season. There was no way Charlie Morton was going to now be a guy that, fast forward 11 years, we're talking about as an all-time great postseason pitcher who owns a moment of on the table. On the table. Yeah, as long as he doesn't start showing up to shopping malls and grabbing a microphone and just spewing hateful and divisive stuff, right. he'll be fine. Yes. His legacy yes. will be forever etched next to some of the greats and some of the performances across sport. Which is you say, cool. Which is really how cool. How tough is this guy to be able to do this? Tiger Woods winning the U.S. Uh, Open on a with a broken it? leg. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Michael it, Jordan's flu game, I guess. E.J. Manuel beating Notre Dame. <laughs> In Florida State lore, that's pretty good. Uh, it's all right. It was a fractured shin bone. Yeah. Yeah. That second half was lights out. It was. Uh, but this is this is this is truly the good <laughs> Man, stuff. Man, he gets credit for some things. I mean, we criticize him all the time. He gets credit for that one. I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I have my suspicions. Um, I I'm just gonna tell you right now. You don't think it was broken? Interesting. Okay. I'm, we're not doing this. All right. All it right. was shattered. It's a miracle. Uh, what I've <laughs> We replaced the guy with a tinfoil hat. We got another one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, what, I, what I would say is this last night we know was broken. And my man yeah. still threw that yacker and still made those pitches and still hung in there to get those out. 16 pitches from the time his leg was probably broken. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just wanted to note that careers – and this is why I get so fed up with trying to decide and evaluate where somebody sits in the all-time pantheon of it, whatever it is. Quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, linebackers, when they're in the middle of their career. You cannot know. You can't. Now, you can have suspicions, and there can be evidence and data points that you point to to say, well, he's certainly not on a Hall of Fame career path. That's fair. But don't get into the daily debates if somebody's an all-time whatever when they've got 10 more years to play, potentially. Because Charlie Morton is proof positive that you can be a middling two-starter at best to bona fide, badass, postseason hero, ace dominant in the span of 10 years after yep. showing no signs of that. So that's what you were witnessing last well, night. Well, they needed that win, though. That was the oh, other thing. is like, you know, you're looking up at the, uh, the graphic and there's six innings to go, even though you have a good-sized lead. You're like, well... You're a Braves fan. You've got to have this one. Oh, you can't let them come back and no. put a couple in the Cracker Jack box in left field. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, 
Because if you go down 0-1 and Morton's not available, which of course he isn't, but that and you know he's not available for the rest of the series. Oh yeah, yikes! So oh, no, good yeah, job. Yeah. You got to get now. You got the one. You got the one. You got to find a way to get three more. And uh, our pal James is correct. He put in in the chat. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not arguing that uh, baseball players or this particular baseball player is tougher than any hockey player in the postseason. We get the legend that are uh, NHL stars. But he became a injury. hockey player last night. He did. That's what he, he did. did. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's amazing what hockey players do. But I'm, it's, it ain't easy, no matter who's doing it. It is unreal. I would also argue that there are differences. Like, you can have – now, I, I can't imagine anybody playing any sport on a broken leg. So, I, it's nothing but kudos. I mean, I've had foot problems. I've had surgery there. I've broken bones in my feet. It's agonizing. Um, but, but I would say pitching, where you drive and land. Yeah, he's got to drive off of that got, foot. Man, no – no, no, no. That's crazy. That is crazy. You're not just kind of, all right, we're going to immobilize it. Yeah, yeah. And then you're going to just kind of go through the motions. On yeah. one, you know? Maybe he should put on a hockey skate and continue. <laughs> yeah. Because you know? I mean, that way he could push off yeah. and, his, and his ankle is somewhat stabilized. Uh, I loved it. It was incredible. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Ah, the clash. Can't go wrong. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV on a Balls McWednesday. Getting antsy, getting excited. Anticipatory shows are fun to do when you're thinking about the game and the magnitude of the game. And the fact that that's even a thing right now after an 0-4 start is once again a reminder that you hang in there, keep fighting. It's exciting. It's been a while since we've done one of these like kinds of weeks that are not for the opening game of the season. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's yeah. late October. October's been a good month to us. Any any year in which if I were to tell you before the season began you're going to lose your first four games including an upset that is legendary and will remember be remembered uh, in the annals of Florida State football history as one of the low points uh, ever. Thankfully, West Durham's call was a confused one or else you'd yeah. see it more often. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. So, here's the thing. Uh if I told you after all that that we would be feeling this way about this game, there's it's just no way. I mean, you hang in there, you keep fighting. It's easier said than done, especially for the kids who are on the other end of that historic collapse. I mean, they did, and they get credit for that. And this coaching staff gets credit for that. It really is remarkable that that happened. And especially when you consider that on the tail end of that, you're giving up a gazillion points and a half to a Louisville team that, let's face it, is not a great team. And you couldn't look more confused. You look like a bunch of clowns. We're in that moment going to halftime saying, that's it, that's all for this defensive coordinator. Um, screw him and the horse he rode in on. we got to change. That's where we were at mentally. And then from that point to this point, we now think competent defense, playing hard, will hit you, play with physicality, play together. Support one another. They're hiding. They're doing a good job of kind of hiding their weaknesses, which we all know about, in particular at linebacker. Uh, it's just, it's it, that is a good job, period. Well done, coaching staff. Now, there are a lot of games still to be played. Might we turn the corner and say, uh, after these next two games, well, mm, unfortunately, wasn't sustainable. I mean, if Clemson comes out and drops 38 after having not been able to reach 21 points in regulation all season long, you're going to be a little bit uh, downtrodden, a little disheartened. 
Yeah, most uh, in the 30s, absolutely. The yes. thing is, against Pitt, they probably should have scored 28 to 30 points, but yeah. it's amazing how they shoot themselves in the foot on wide open looks. I'm just saying. Wide open. You know as well amazing. as I do, Tom, that in, in admittedly, I would, I would absolutely uh, acquiesce to this. Even though we both looked at that same film and we both see that the players are there, I can't imagine being a Clemson coordinator. Tony Elliott's got to be like, what are you doing? But that said, uh, nope, in no game have they figured that out. That's, yeah. If it's just this one, at some point, that's on you. That's, I mean, right. yeah. yeah. Don't let them find themselves this weekend. So the question was by Ryan earlier in the show do you think this is a one off for Clemson uh, or is this the tipping point for them? Okay. We have, as Florida State fans and those of us who cover the team, follow the team, we've watched what Clemson is going through before. We've witnessed uh, being uh, the, the highest of highs, an undefeated season, national championship, uh, the, 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 the you know, creme de la creme of college football. You are the team that everybody's trying to beat. You are the program, certainly in this sorry-ass conference, you are the program that everybody's chasing, etc. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. And it's gone. Our famous clip, right? It's just just like that. And when it happens, nationally, people go, what in the hell? And all of a sudden, you're a guest on a lot of shows, and people go, what is going on down there? How did you guys go from being the best team in college football with players for days? You're just a, a feeder school for the NFL. And all of a sudden, you guys can't play a lick. And you're losing to teams that, person for person on paper, you should be clobbering. And even when you get wins, you don't look good doing it. Well, okay. We've witnessed it. We've seen it. And usually there are telltale signs for those on the ground covering the team. I'm going to speak to a couple of those people this week, and I will get back to you on this because I am curious for those that can be objective that are covering that team, are they beginning to see uh, the cracks in the armor that we've talked about where it's usually it's not just that you're not getting the most out of your players. That is a byproduct of other issues typically. Uh, and most of those issues tend to be internal that the national press can't see, but those on the ground covering on a daily basis can. Whether that's infighting between coaches, whether that is a player not buying in and then alienating other players within that segment group. What, there are a lot of things that can happen. And how a coach handles those situations usually you uh, is very telling. It, it, it tells you whether this is a one-off, whether this is just a tough year because they've had uh, an inordinate number of injuries in key places that they couldn't afford to have, or is this the sign of further problems? I don't know the answer to that. I do know that our offensive staff has found a way to coordinate an offense as one-dimensional as we are that can be this successful as a top 15 rushing offense in the country despite having glaring weaknesses everywhere, including that at wide receiver and offensive line. And yet Clemson, who has elite players at most spots, cannot seem to overcome the two guys on the interior that either got hurt or suck. That that is amazing to me. So yeah. there is something else wrong. Is all I'm suggesting. Yeah, it's what happens when you don't have God at quarterback, and they've had two generational quarterbacks in the last ten years play three years apiece outside of the Cole Stout mini era at Clemson. But you know, the one thing I'll say where, where I, man, those athletes are not going away. I think when we when we started to slide, and you saw the drop off even from 2013 to 2014 of that wide receiver core. It kept going down and down and down. And we had Dalvin, and we you know, uh, we got Cam Akers. And so there have been some players here or there. You can name them, but you can count them on one hand. I look at some of the young players that Clemson has, like Will Shipley 
who is impressive. Uh, obviously, Bo Collins, the kid they got out of California, who is rangy and is going to be a good player. Joseph Ngata, who went for over 100 yards against Georgia. He only had one catch against Syracuse, but it was an important catch. It was mm-hmm. one of their touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They don't have very many on the season. No. So anytime they score a touchdown, that's a big play. He's got body control and, and explosive ability. He was gone for the pit game, but he should be back. He was in the COVID protocol. They're littered with skill position talent for the next two or three seasons. Sure that, they are. that is on the level of elite. I don't think we were. We had Dalvin, and we had a bunch of dudes that were, all right, yeah, I mean, maybe four stars, but nobody that was generational at the position. I think there's still going to be a factory of the skill positions. The question is, in the transfer portal or wherever, are they going to get those, or, or through maybe injuries and returning back to full health, are they going to get their trenches um, shored up? Well, they're going to have to do something they don't want to do. In order to get the trenches shorn up, they're going to have to take a transfer portal kid. And they refuse to do it because they're high and mighty Clemson. Oh, I, I, I don't know if they're high and mighty anymore. That's what This would drive me to the portal this kind of season. Uh-huh. Well, you know, Dabo will tell you that it's different there, buddy. Their culture's different. They don't want outsiders. Does he really say that they don't go to the portal? Yes. Oh, his whole thing is about we're different. We don't. Yeah, and listen, look at their recruiting practices. You're not allowed to take other visits. You can't do all this other stuff. Once you man, get the hell out of here with this, you high and mighty nonsense. That's who that clown is. If that is what he holds to this offseason, then all right, we're open for business here, mm-hmm. even though they've got breakaway athletes, and they, and they do, and that's not stopping. I, I think that's the clear difference on offense between us yes. as the, on the downfall and then them right now. But let's say in the next two years it slows to a drip or trickle, that they're not getting – Nine of those guys every recruiting class. Right, Maybe right. they get one until everybody else wakes up and goes, it's over. The dream is over. These hillbillies are done. It's the Jeff Cambridge Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron Show, brief segment here before we head to Hour 2. This is flying past, unfortunately. Having fun, as always, talking with you guys on a Balls Wednesday about the upcoming Florida State-Clemson game and all of the various directions this thing could go. It, it's on the one hand, so I, I don't even know that you can rule out, we love to talk about what's possible and what the race is to and what's more likely than not and put percentages on things. Most games, Tom, we got a pretty good sense that, all right, what's more likely? Florida State, uh, you know, wins this game by three or Clemson blows Florida State out. And then we, you know, we just posit something like that and then we get into percentages. But this one, you could open up a number of things. Uh, You could say, because I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Like a lot of times I'll just say definitively, no, that's definitely not going to happen. Hear me out on this. I'm not predicting this. I'm merely saying it's not entirely impossible that Florida State blows Clemson out. If Clemson has decided to shut it down, and if that relationship between quarterback and coaching staff and players in quarterback is fractured to a place that they are, they've seen enough, then you get a team that goes through the motions, and the teams that go through the emotions playing up against a fired-up team with something to prove, desperate to get a win, yeah, it could happen. I mean, it, it, it does happen. Define that margin of victory that you would qualify as. 21. Okay, all right. So, you know, you could go win a game 24-3. to three. You, you, Boy, I'd like that. Oh, me too. That would I'm not feel saying, very satisfying. I mean, if I'm putting percentages on that, it's very low. 
I'm just saying that's not out of the realm of possibility if Clemson's mindset is to a place where they're just the season's such a wash that they're just like, well, you know. And, and I don't know that that's the case. We'll but get, it's kind of cool to throw that out there. Oh, sure. What gets fun is I've seen the offense put Clemson, different offenses throughout the season, put Clemson in a position where they're looking around and somebody breaks open, but they're not good enough to take advantage of it. Mm. Are we? <laughs> Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. 